God, we just sit still in this moment. Truth is, we're, our minds are running most of the time. Running around looking for security. Running around looking for significance. Running around looking for somebody to love us. And all you say is, I'm running after you. <laughs> and when we finally stop and we're still, <laughs> is when we can finally realize the security and the joy and the peace that we have in you. So may we stop running. Thank you the chance that we get, we get to gather together, that we get to open our hearts through song and just be still so that you can meet us right where we are and revive us, refresh us, remind us of the love that we have always been made for, our God, a relationship with the living God. So, Lord, thank you that you meet us right here in this moment. And as we open your word, I pray that you uh, speak to each of us exactly as we need to hear. That's a beautiful thing about your spirit is that you have such a, a, an amazing way of bringing your word to life in each of our hearts. No, because you know each of our names and each of our stories and each of our personalities. And you know how to speak to us. So we say, come, Lord, do what you want to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys may have a seat. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, guys. Thanks, man. Whoo. Man, what a beautiful moment that was. Just to be still and just to soak it in. Thank you guys so much. All right. So did you guys know? I'm sure you did. A lot, most of you at least. This past Wednesday began the 40-day season in the church calendar called Lent. Um, Lent is the season that leads us right up to Holy Week, where we celebrate Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter, all that goes on that week. Um, you guys realize that Easter is March 31st this year? It's early. It's early. Um, but nonetheless, Lent, that word means lengthen. Because this is the time of year when daylight is getting longer, praise the Lord. And... <laughs> And, and pretty soon, the dark of winter gives way to new life. The cold ground, you start to see life pop up from our cold ground. And that's one of the reasons why during this time of year, it's, it's so amazing to stop and ponder what it means that our God came in the flesh. That he went into a grave but from that cold ground. He burst from the ground with new life for all of us. And so Lent is a time that we reflect on that reality. Who is our God and what is it that he's done for us, but more than just reflect from a distance, it's also a time when we stop and listen again to Jesus say those words, Follow me. You know, when Jesus recruited his first disciples, those were his first words, Follow me. You see these words, Follow me, 20 times roughly in the Gospels. And it's from that very place that what Jesus is saying as a rabbi. See, follow me, it says something about his heart for us. Follow me meant that he wants you right up next to him, close to him. But also, that when we follow him, it implies that he's going to lead us down a road that we would not otherwise choose for ourselves. It's not the well-worn way that most people in our world follow, but it's often referred to as the narrow way, or as I've experienced in my life, the steep way, right? <laughs> 
that, that oftentimes the way of Jesus is not the way that we see others around us go. And we saw that in the Gospels even, that there's many people who admired Jesus, but only some followed. Many respected or maybe liked Jesus, but only some wanted to become like him. But following him means that we are allowing him to shape how we live, how we treat others, the vision for our lives, our values, what, what our goals are. So yes, in Lent, it's the time that we reflect on who our God is and what he has done for us, but also, what does it mean to follow him? If Jesus went to the cross, we also want to hear what Jesus said to his when he said, whoever wants to be my disciple that has become like him must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow. Whoa. What does that mean? Well, as the disciples found out in their lives that following Jesus meant that they were going to be radically changed. They left their jobs. They left life as they knew it to go and, and on this journey with Jesus. But do you think they would ever take it back? Of course not. They gave their lives for it, and it changed them forever. And so this is the season we ask, who is Jesus? And what is his heart for us? What has he done for us? But what does it mean to follow? And for that reason, we are beginning a series this Lent, uh, during Lent this season called The Way of Jesus. And we're going to spe- uh, specifically be looking at the Gospel of John, chapters 13 to 17. It's often referred to as the farewell discourse because these are some of the last words Jesus told his disciples before he would be arrested, crucified, buried, rise again, and then ascend to the Father. But if you were giving your last words, or if you had a teacher who you knew were giving you last words, what would you expect in that farewell speech? You'd expect them to probably tell you, hey, this is my heart for you. But also, this is how I want you to live after I'm gone. And this is exactly what Jesus is doing. That he says, first, I want to show you, put on display for you, my heart of love for you. But second, this is what it's going to mean to walk in my way. So, as we anticipate Holy Week, what is Jesus' heart like? And if we want to become like him, follow him, not just admire him from a distance, what does that entail? So let's just begin by looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 1 to 17, together. If you've got your own Bible, feel free to turn there. Bible app, it's fine. The blue Bible's in front of you. We're on page 874. If you don't have a Bible at home, please take one of those home with you as our gift to you. Um, or you can follow on the screens behind me. But we're in the Gospel of John, chapter 13. And if you can, as you read this, I want you to imagine yourself as one of Jesus' disciples experiencing this scene. And as you do, try to understand what is Jesus' heart that's being put on display here, but also, how do we follow? John chapter 13, verse 1. You guys ready? Is everybody ready? Excellent, thank you. John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. 
Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied to him, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And I've set you an example so that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. Everybody say blessed. If you do them. So Lord, I ask that you help us to not only understand, but to receive the love from you. And may that love God, transform our lives so that we can learn to love like you. Show us what it means not just to understand what you have done for us, but to follow your way. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. So, so John 13 is this beautiful story that takes us into this private moment between Jesus and his disciples. The crowds are gone. There's no extra dinner guests. It's just Jesus and his disciples, the only ones invited. But not only does, does John give us an inside look into this unforgettable moment, but this moment gives us an inside look into Jesus' heart. And as we see that, as, by, by, by bringing us into this scene, by describing this scene, I see it as John is inviting us to, present-day disciples, to imagine that we're there. He sets the scene. He slows it down. He vividly describes each moment. So if you can, imagine that you are one of the disciples. You just reclined for dinner. And maybe your mind's on the Passover coming up or just the fact that you're about to eat and you've been waiting a long time to eat. Right? Whatever it is, you weren't prepared for what Jesus was about to do. And as Jesus got up, you're about to learn that only the highest love steps down to the lowest place for you and me. And so as one of the 12 disciples, earlier that day, you'd probably been walking with Jesus throughout the dusty streets on your worn sandals. They didn't have Birkenstocks back in those days, right? Like, like these, were, these were thin things most likely, right? And given that it, it was what it was in those days, there was plenty of animal stink on the road. Because uh, they're not like pet owners today who have those eco-friendly green bags they hold in their hands. They can come by and pick up whatever it is and throw it away. Right? Like, no, no, no. They're, most likely, you stepped in something along the way. And so finally, dinner time comes. And man, you are hungry. 
And when entering a home, the custom was that you would be met and greeted by a Gentile slave, a non-Jewish slave. This was not, this was beneath Jews in that society. And they would greet you at the door and then they would prepare to wash your dung-tastic feet. <laughs> a job like that was beneath any Jewish man. It was considered straight up gross. But I guess on this day, maybe the Gentile servant was on vacation or more, most likely the host didn't have one. And so you and the other disciples filed in and reclined at the dinner table with your nasty feet because you weren't about to touch anybody else's toes. And the way that I see it is I'm sure that after a long day, your plantar fasciitis is, is like flaring up. Your, your heels are hurting. And the way they ate that day, they didn't sit down in chairs. They reclined on their left arm. And you're like, oh, this is good. Your feet are throbbing, man. It just feels good to finally lay down and eat something. Like you almost didn't care what the smell was coming from the, the guy beside you. And you're starting to eat with your right hand. And then all of a sudden you notice Jesus gets up. Like, what's he doing? And he takes off his outer garment. And he gets a little quiet. Kind of like right now. And he lays it down, and he picks up a towel, and he wraps it around his waist. And he takes a basin, and he pours water in it. And he brings it over, and you're like, surely not. And he lays it down, and then you see him call one of the other disciples over to him to come have a seat and wash your feet. And you're thinking in that moment... What on God's green earth is he doing? And then all of a sudden you start feeling a little guilty. You're like, uh, no, I, I, sh I totally should have thought of that. Why didn't I think of that as we were coming in? Like, like, he's the master. He's the teacher. He's the Lord. I'm supposed to serve him. This is not how it goes. But if there was a way for Jesus to say, I love you, without saying the words, this was it. And I can even though, even though it was quiet like it isn't here right now, you almost know how everybody else in the room was feeling. Awkward, confused, but also this overwhelming sense of love. But see, there was far more motivating Jesus in this moment than just wanting clean feet. It's not like Jesus laid down at the table and he's like, all right, I can't stand this. Like, if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to do it. Right? Like, I, that, that's not what's motivating him. But, but, but washing his disciples' feet was a foreshadow to the cross when the full extent of his love would be poured out for the world. And we know that's what's happening because the context around this story sets it up. It says in verse 1 that Jesus knew the hour had come. His arrest, the cross, none of that was a surprise to Jesus. He was fully in control. And then in verse 3, it says, He knew that the Father had put all things under His power, that He had come from God and was returning to God. He knew that Satan had already put it in the heart of Judas to betray Him. But all that was about to happen was in fulfillment of God's plan since before the dawn of creation for the redemption of the world. 
So everything Jesus is about to go through, he goes through willingly. But why? Go back to verse 1. It says, he loved them to the end. You can translate that, he loved them to the utmost. Or he was about to show them the full extent of his love. Because if the love that Jesus showed when he washed feet made the disciples drop their jaws, how much greater must the love be that led Jesus to the cross where he bled and died to wash away our sin? First John 4.10 says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What Jesus did for the disciples' feet was simply an enactment of what he came to do for every single one of our sin-stained hearts. Because Jesus is God. He was with God from the very beginning, united in the perfect trinity of God, yet motivated by nothing but love. He got up off his throne. He took off his outer garment. He wrapped himself in human flesh. And then he poured out his blood on a cross to wash clean our sin-stained hearts that we might be whiter than snow. And he did that for you, he did that for me, and he did that for the world. Yes. And the cross makes no sense if it's not for love. Some, some people like to say this was a historical accident. Jesus didn't mean to do this. Oh, no. We see right here, everything was intentional. Because only the highest love would step down to the lowest place for you and me. Only the purest love would see the pride in our hearts, yet give itself to wash us clean. So do you know that love? Do you realize the depth of that love for you, have you received it? Not just admired it from a distance, but actually received it. So imagine again that you're a disciple in the story, and now Jesus calls your name. He calls your name. How might you respond? <laughs> I am so thankful that Peter experiences at it. You know, that John included Peter. Because, like, I relate to Peter so much. Because when God exposes our dirt, our impulse is to pull away. But his love draws us closer. And it's so interesting to me how nice and wonderful it is to talk about love until somebody finally offers you love and you have nothing to give in return. And you see, I believe this is just part of why Peter reacts the way that he does. So Jesus calls Peter's name. And Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus says, man, you're going you're to understand later. And he says, no, you will never wash my feet. Now imagine your feet are caked in dirt. And you know you got that bunion right underneath there. And probably a host of other things that you don't want anybody else to know about, right? Let's be honest. Like, feet are embarrassing. They're the last thing we often want people to see in ourselves. I remember there was one year that uh, 
that uh, we got Shelby a gift card to this foot massage place in Middleton. Derek, you know what I'm talking about back there, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Heather and Derek put us on to this place. And the first time I went there, I remember taking off my shoes and my socks. I was like, I know this guy sees feet all day. But like, this is a vulnerable thing to do. Now, I eventually got over it, and it was absolutely amazing. But, but, but point is, is that the feet are not exactly the part you want people to see, yet Jesus calls their name, and he says, bring your feet on over here. But when we follow Jesus, he asks to wash something even more vulnerable than our feet. He asks for our hearts. Because we know that it is from our hearts that, yes, we love our family and we love our friends, but it is also in our hearts that we harbor bitterness and lust and envy and fear and pride. The Hebrew culture said that that the heart is the core of who we are, from which everything flows. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart, for from it everything flows. And it is from our birth that sin has polluted our hearts, that sin is is that impulse to serve ourselves above God or anybody else. It lives by the motto of me first. And ironically, it's the sin of pride in our hearts that, that points out how dirty everybody else's heart is, but ends up blinding us to our own. And it's when that pride ends up covering our hearts, and Jesus says, come on over here, we're like, nah, I'm good. I'm actually, I'm good enough. I'm a good enough person. I don't really need you, Jesus. But as anybody who's lived for a little while knows... We can only do that for so long before our sin ends up being exposed for what it is. Because it's only a matter of time that the dirt of sin is exposed, that lust becomes addiction, that bitterness makes us lonely, that envy makes us angry, that pride breaks relationships, or the hundreds of other ways that it's exposed. But even when it's exposed, we still may not want to come to Jesus because it's something called shame. And like Peter, Jesus offers to make us clean. But shame says, no, 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 you're too dirty to come. And we're often too embarrassed to get honest. Because how can I admit to myself, how can I admit to him just how dirty my heart is? I hate that part of me. I mean, he's going to be disgusted with me. I don't deserve it. But actually, shame is just a flip side of pride. Because pride says in one moment, you don't need that. And then once sin is exposed, says, you don't deserve his love, his grace. Either way, it tells you to pull away when Jesus says, come. So even though Peter's response sounds like humility, what he's really saying is, no, I see my dirt and I don't deserve this. And truth is, he's right. That none of us deserve the love of God. But here's the thing. God's love doesn't depend on our worthiness. I need to say that again for somebody in here. God's love doesn't depend on our worthiness. But in fact, it was the dirt in our, the dirt in our hearts did not repulse Jesus, but it's the reason he moved closer. 
Jesus is God. God is love. Love is who God is. So despite what the lies of pride and shame may tell you, God's love is not conditioned by what we do. It, just, it is who he is. He's inseparable from it. But it is because of our sin that God came, wrapped himself in human flesh, and poured out his blood on the cross to make each of us clean and whole. And if you want Jesus to make you clean, then go to him and receive his grace. Even if you want to protest like Peter, how can God touch, see, like, like what's actually here? As Jesus said to Peter, he says, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Because it is the moment that we, by faith in his grace, come to Jesus and allow his cleansing grace to, to wash us clean, made possible by his blood shed on the cross for our sin. The moment we come to him, we belong to him. And if you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, if you've never actually come to him and received it, you can today. And I want to give you a moment at the end of this today for you to do just that. But the moment you do, you are clean and shame is washed away in his love and his grace. But even after you give our lives to Jesus, we still sometimes sin, don't we? <laughs> well, yeah, we do. <laughs> we do. Uh, so what do we do about that? Well, I love that Jesus doesn't just stop there. He said, he says, hold up. He says, those who have had a bath, meaning those who have been washed completely clean by Jesus. He says, I only need to wash their feet because their whole body is clean. What's he saying here? He's saying is the moment you receive Jesus and the forgiveness he offers, you are his. You belong to him. But sometimes on the road to following him, we still step in it. Right? <laughs> And we still need to come to him with open heart and say, Jesus, I need you to remind me, refresh me, renew me with your love, with your grace. That I can't just come once and say I'm good. i got to keep coming to him with an open heart. Not so that I can be resaved, but just so that I can remember, be reminded, and let him continue to transform my life to become like him. And as we learn to do that, continually come to Jesus, walking, keeping our hearts open, that's when we begin to walk his way of humility. But as we walk his way of humility and we encounter such radical love, we will be changed. It is amazing how Jesus meets us right where we are, as we are, but he does not leave us the same. That he calls us and we receive, but there's also a path to follow. And after we receive the grace of Jesus that washes us clean, we hear him say, follow me. So back into this scene, your feet have just been washed. Along with all the other disciples, including, might I add, Judas. What kind of love is that? And Jesus puts his outer garments back on. He reclined back in his place. And he said, do you understand what I've done for you? He says, as your Lord and teacher, rightfully so. He said, I wash your feet. But now you are to do the same for one another. What does that mean? Well, remember, washing feet in that culture was symbolic. But all of this was meant to point to Jesus and his cross. And the cleansing power of his cross. 
So this doesn't mean literally we need to all start taking off our shoes and socks and get washing right now. But it does mean that what Jesus did for us to the cross isn't just something we receive, but it's also a path we follow. That the cross isn't just something we admire from a distance, but when Jesus said, follow me, he said also that we are to walk behind him carrying our cross. That the way of the cross, the way of Jesus, the way of humility, the way of love is not the well-worn way in our world of control and winning and self-protection and being first and being the best and personal glory. No, it's the way of self-denial, humility, obedience, self-giving love. Well, that sounds beautiful. But if you actually think about it, like that sounds scary. That sounds hard. But you know, reading this story, I noticed something I've never noticed before until this week. It's what Jesus says in verse 17. Because after Jesus tells them, you're to wash each other's feet, his, his response is not, hey, suck it up, buttercup, I did it for you, now get going, right? That's not the way he says it. That's, not, that's how I'd imagine, but that's not how he says it. Instead, he says, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Blessed? Blessed. The way of the cross, the way of Jesus, the way of humility, the way of love is not easy, but Jesus calls it the blessed life. How? Man, I saw a picture of this this past summer. Um, this past June, my grandmother, my mom's mom, passed away after um, a variety of illnesses and, and cancer finally took her life. But in the last couple weeks of her life, she needed a lot of extra care. And my mom is a next-door neighbor, um, and my uncle lives close, and so the two of them were coming over a lot. And eventually it got to a place where multiple times a day they had to actually change and wash her. And I talked to my mom yesterday, asked her if it was okay if I share this story, and she said, it's even okay if I share this. She said, she said at first, she said, I had a bad attitude about it. So that was the last thing I wanted to do. Like it, 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 and, I, and I would feel the same. It's dirty. It's sad. But she said a couple days after that, my mom loves Jesus a lot. And she said that she was just reflecting on it. And all of a sudden, it came in her mind, which God often speaks to us through our thoughts. And this was distinctly different from the way she was thinking. But this thought hit her. My mom's name is Wendy. It says, Wendy. This is a privilege to serve her in this way. And as tears came down my mom's face, she realized in that moment that this would be the last and perhaps one of the most beautiful gifts she could give her mom in her time on this earth. And all of a sudden, joy began to fill her heart as she began to go back and serve her mom again. That all of a sudden she understood a little piece of what that means, that this is the blessed life, the life that serves. And when we went down for my grandmother's memorial service this past July, I tell you, no one sat around and talked about her accolades, her achievements, all the amazing things she did. What people talked about is how many, metaphorically and, and literally, feet she washed in her life. How many people she came alongside of. Because everybody knew that was the beauty in her life. And that's where she found her joy. 
that she understood too the blessed life. And I know that many of you in here, you've been in the same situation. You've had to walk with your parents or loved ones in similar ways. Do you realize just what a smile that puts on God's face? And the, and the love that he sees in that moment. And see, when we see the heart of God, when he bent down to make us clean, and we grow the heart, of, heart like God's as we do the same for each other. So what does it look like to wash feet today? That's a fun question. <laughs> maybe, maybe not fun. But like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, it's something to, to talk about on your own you know, this afternoon or today. But I, I imagine a manager who is working really hard, but not for the promotion, to try to set her employees up to succeed. I imagine a mom or a dad getting up in the middle of the night because their kid puked again. <laughs> Right? And did not make it to the toilet. <laughs> like, I, I imagine a, a neighbor who can't help but to realize that the three different people around them are living alone. But they can open up their home and they can cook a good meal. I imagine a politician who works tirelessly for the good of the neighbors and not just for the vote. I imagine a teacher who just wants Johnny to get it and is willing to go to the extra mile to make sure he does. And as I think about that, and as I think about that kind of vision and that kind of life, the washing feet kind of life, following in the way of Jesus, I realize the reason why we do it is not so that we can be good people who've already been washed clean. The reason we do it is because we are loved people. We are people who have experienced the cleansing grace of Jesus and the love that is endless and in experiencing that for ourselves, you can't help but to want others to know the same. And even if somebody's not willing to hear the truth of Jesus, this is a way that we can model the reality of Jesus as his people. And so I just want to talk to those, most of us in here, you know you belong to Jesus. You have, you, you, there was a point in your life when you know that you have received his grace, you've been made new, you belong to him. My question to you is when was the last time you just sat still and received his love for you? And some people say, well, that sounds selfish. It's not any more selfish than it is making sure you drink or eat. Those are necessary. And if we're going to love people like Jesus, then we got to take time to remember and receive the love of Jesus for us too. Perhaps you can even take this story today or this week and go back and read John 13 again and imagine yourself as one of those disciples. Imagine what it must have been like or felt like the moment he began to wash your dirty feet. Maybe that can be a way to receive it. But there are others of you in here that you, you've never received the, the grace of Jesus. Maybe you've you struggled with doubt your whole life. Or maybe you didn't know, like, maybe like I was talking about earlier, like I'm not worthy or I don't need it. But maybe something's stirring in you right now. You can feel in Jesus calling your name and you want to follow him. If that's you, perhaps you're not sure how to express your heart to God right now. I want to give you just a way that you can express your heart to God. If you will just pray after me. If everybody could, just bow your heads and close your eyes. 
And just those who have never given your life to Christ before. If you want to, then pray this simple prayer after me, just between you and God right now, and say, Jesus, I hear your invitation. I hear you call my name. I see the dirt in my heart. I want to be clean. So I surrender. Wash me clean, Jesus. Thank you for the cross where you gave your life for me. Now show me how to follow your way as I give my life for you. Amen.